We're going to begin today with the latest events in Gaza and reports coming in from the Al Fakhura School, where the Gaza Health Ministry says that at least 15 people have been killed. The UN agency responsible for Palestinian refugees said the school has been used as a shelter for displaced families and that one strike hit the schoolyard where tents for displaced families were and another strike hit inside the school where women were baking bread. Uh, there has been no comment from the Israeli authorities on the strike and the news agency Agence France Press was said it was unable to confirm the toll on that. We're going to turn to the other strike on a convoy of ambulances yesterday outside the Al-Shifa hospital that has resulted in a fresh wave of shock and outrage across the international community. In the hours after the strike, which killed 15 civilians and wounded 60 others, the Israeli Defence Forces did admit it had carried out the strike, but they said they believed the convoy was being used by Hamas militants. I've been speaking to Aliona Sinenko from the International Red Cross Committee. I began by asking her what information they have at this stage about what happened in the strike. Well, we have received the report about the medical convoy uh, that left uh, Al-Shifa Hospital and uh, that was hit, and then also another ambulance that was uh, hit in front of the in front of the Al-Shifa Hospital. These are the reports uh, that we were reading, that we were getting. Uh, the Palestinian Red Crescent Societies, uh, they are our partner organizations, and I think they were clear in their statement. They have communicated the details. Uh, several of their ambulances uh, were hit. Our colleagues in Gaza, they were in communication with the Ministry of Health and they were informed about this convoy. Then we saw the images and uh, we were shocked and heartbroken to see these terrible images of wounded people because uh, hospitals are supposed to be sanctuaries where people should be healed. And it's... uh, devastating to see such scenes coming from uh, from a healthcare facility this is still a medical convoy and it is protected by the international humanitarian law sure okay the israeli defense forces have said they were targeting a hamas cell that was using these ambulances um the reuters news agency reporting on this say they have been unable to verify that and authorities in gaza have asked that the information to verify this would be released What's your call on this? Well, I think it is, uh, these are very dangerous allegations uh, because they put into question the the neutral and impartial humanitarian action. And uh, Palestinian Red Crescent Society paramedics have been working in Gaza, uh, saving lives and have been doing this, unfortunately, putting their own lives at risk. So we must do everything possible to protect this work and to protect the neutral humanitarian space. And have you had any credible reports of any use of ambulances or health facilities by militants in Gaza? I cannot speak about... uh, I'm not a military or intelligence agency. We are a humanitarian organisation. We're a humanitarian organisation that is working with the Palestinian Red Crescent and collaborating with the Ministry of health, uh, trying to bring vital life-saving assistance to people in Gaza. Uh, So any misuse of an ambulance in such a way would be a violation of international humanitarian law. And uh, again, for us, uh, we are there 
just witnessing uh, the incredible work that the paramedics are doing, saving people every day in a horrific situation. And they, we must give them the necessary humanitarian space so that they continue doing this work. And that was Aliona Sinenko of the International Red Cross Committee speaking to me there from Jerusalem. Now, as the Israeli offensive continues unabated, there has been a lot of commentary over the last 48 hours about the messaging coming from the US administration. Anthony Blinken is currently meeting Arab foreign ministers in Jordan. He also met with the Israeli war cabinet yesterday and he's reportedly urged that more be done to protect Palestinian civilians whilst not calling for a ceasefire. He did call for humanitarian pauses to let aid in and to allow hostages to leave. I've been speaking to Aaron David Miller, who served as an advisor on Arab-Israeli negotiations to six US Secretaries of State, and I began by asking him if we're seeing a change in the US approach. I do believe in the last three weeks, as the humanitarian catastrophe in, in Gaza has increased, the exponential increase in Israeli airstrikes in an effort to destroy Hamas's military infrastructure and growing uh, loss of uh, international legitimacy for for this operation has created an evolution in the in the American position, but I do not believe that the main the main frame has fundamentally been altered. On the issue of Pal- protection of Palestinian civilians, I, I do not believe that the United States has any concrete suggestions as to how Israel can continue to pursue its military strategy in areas in which Hamas embeds its assets close in proximity to civilian areas and the protection of Palestinian civilian lives. It's a tragedy, but I do not, I I don't think there's an answer to that question. Actually, there is one answer. The Israelis could stop the bombing, continue to encircle Gaza City, and they could go house to house, building to building, with their engineers, their demolition squads, their special ops, in an effort to discover the tunnels Uh, root out Hamas fighters and kill the leadership. The problem with that approach, however, is the obvious one. Israelis will expend hundreds, if not thousands, of Israeli soldiers in an effort to protect Palestinians. I don't think any Israeli government would agree to that. And in terms of the long-term strategic aim, what has the U.S. signed up for in the long-term support of Israel, what does it believe the end of the military phase will look like and the beginning of the next phase? I don't think the United States has a clue. And I don't think Israel has a clue either. I interviewed Khalil Shikaki yesterday on my program, who is the preeminent Palestinian pollster. His analysis is that Israel may succeed in destroying Hamas as a military organization. Then it will have to stay in Gaza. And who is Israel going to turn Gaza over to? Who or what is going to govern Gaza? Calm, I don't think the Israelis know. I don't think the Americans know. I don't, I mean, people talk about this as if there's an easy alternative for the day after, there isn't, or for the prosecution of Israel's war against Hamas. And I just don't, I mean, I don't have an, I don't have an answer either. But I raise questions that no one else seems to have an answer for. The Americans bombed Dresden and Tokyo, killed hundreds of thousands of people. In Vietnam, in Iraq and Afghanistan, I mean, Israel should adhere to the international international humanitarian law and the laws of war. And there are two important principles. One is distinction, and the second is proportionality. 
But in terms of both of those, how do you how do you pursue a military campaign against an entrenched embedded enemy in the middle of a densely populated urban environment where you've got 21,000 human, 21,000 humans per square mile? How do you do that? And even if Israel were to succeed in degrading Hamas and installing a buffer zone and destroying tunnels, what can that achieve? If you want a long-term fix to this, then you have to address the roots of Gaza's dysfunction. You have to address the unemployment. You have to address the fact that it's essentially an open-air prison. You have to address Hamas's incompetence and governance over the course of the last 16 years since they've governed Gaza. And then you need a lot of help. You need help from Egypt, who, 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 who has blocked exits through Rafa. You're going to need a huge investment from Israel to make sure that aid and tra- Gaza can aid and trade. You're going to need a legitimate Palestinian government, probably new elections. And then you're going to need to tether all of this to a political resolution of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. All of those elements have to be factored into this. And you're going to end up, by the time this this conflict is over, with two badly traumatized societies, each of which will have to go through a political reckoning. You are not going to see the same leaders emerge on the other side of this than leaders you, you see now. And that's going to take time. It's not going to happen in three or four months. I mean, there must be a bit of optimism in your being. You've served under quite a number, half a dozen secretaries of state and signed up for the for the same work of being a Middle East peace negotiator and, and a diplomat. Do you have the same cause for optimism now? Yeah, it's discouraging. But, but I, I, I would say with respect to hope and history, on October 6, 1973, 50 years ago last month, I was in Jerusalem and watched in response to the Egyptian and Syrian uh, attacks on Israel uh, a, a huge trauma and an intelligence failure. Failure, And yet within six years, in 1979, Egypt and Israel signed a treaty of peace. 20 years later, I watched on the White House lawn, uh, September 13, 1993, as Arafat, Bill Clinton, and uh, Rabin signed the Oslo Accords, amidst great hope. And yet there, the hope turns to trauma. So the, in the first experience, trauma turns to hope. The second, hope turns to trauma. My only point is that we can't see what's in front of us. And the arc of history bends in ways that are strange and unpredictable. So I can't say, nor would I ever say, that the long, dark tunnel we're in now could not at some point produce a better pathway. I think hope is not enough. I think humans have to work tirelessly. Diplomats, everyone has to work tirelessly to try to bend the arc of history to the extent that people can, humans can, in the right direction. That's about all I can say in the middle of a, this horrific, you know, conflict. And that was Aaron David Miller, a former advisor to six US Secretaries of State. Now, let me introduce you to our political panel here in studio today. They're Charlie McConnell, Minister for Agriculture and Fianna Fáil TD for Donegal. Rose Conway Walsh, Sinn Féin TD for Mayo and her party spokesperson on public expenditure and reform. And Breed Smith, People Before Profit TD for Dublin South Central. Good afternoon. Welcome to you all. Thanks for coming in. Uh, Minister Charlie McConnell, can we start, first of all, with an update on the situation with Irish citizens who are currently trapped in Gaza? The information 
information we have from the Department of Foreign Affairs this morning is that they are not on a list to leave. Yeah, well, we, we have a number. Uh, good afternoon, afternoon, Colm. And we have a, we have a number of civilians in Gaza at the moment, and we're endeavouring um, through all channels we have to, to get them out. We um, don't comment on any particular cases in relation to that, um, but uh, we are working closely with the Egyptian authorities and the Israeli authorities at the moment to get Irish citizens out of Gaza, and that's work that will be continuing um, every way we can in the days ahead. Have we been given a reason why they're not on the list? I, I I don't know um, my, myself, but uh, we are we are engaging um, with with the authorities, and we're we're, we're working in every way we can um, to, to work to get those out. Obviously, it's a, a very very challenging situation um, there at the moment. Um, I think as an Irish government, um, we have been very clear from uh, the outset of the importance of a, a pause um, uh, to ensure that uh, all hostages can get out, but also uh, really importantly, um, citizens of other countries and our own, in particular, who are in the country have. That opportunity, so um, it's obviously imperative, given the 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 risk of risk to everyone's life in there at the moment, that we actually uh, achieve that column. And you mentioned hostages there. Does Ireland have a particular interest? And obviously, on a humanitarian level, of course, the release of all hostages would be of paramount concern to everybody. But the reports in the Iranian media of uh, efforts being made to secure the release of an Irish person. Do you have any information on that? Well, we believe it's it's really important that there's a pause for all and that all hostages should be released, um, but also that the citizens of countries get, are, are facilitated to, to leave. We don't comment in any one particular instance other than to say uh, here, Column, that uh, we are um, working to identify all Irish citizens um, within Gaza and also then working with relevant authorities both in Palestine but also in relation to uh, Egypt and Israel to make sure that they can be facilitated in getting out. Right. So rather than me, I suppose, asking you, five supplementary questions on this. You're not in a position to say whether Ireland is willing to say or knows that there is an Irish hostage and in Gaza. No, we're, not in a, we're not in a position to comment any particular case other than to say we're working to ensure that there's safe passage for everyone. All right. Um, there was a, a bit of surprise at comments made by Leo Varadkar yesterday morning. You were on the trip to South Korea with him. Uh, do you know when he, when he talked about the Israeli response to Hamas looking like it was moving towards revenge do you know that, that if uh, Michal Martin knew in advance that he was going to say that and if that was an agreed government position? Well, I, I think when you look at the context of what the Taoiseach was saying in, in South Korea, he was referring back to comments that uh, the Israeli Prime Minister had already had made previously in relation to um, revenge and that was the context in which he was making those comments. The Irish government have been very consistent and coherent from the outset column in relation to uh, uh, laying out, first of all, that the horrific attack um, on Israel in October the 6th, that they do have the right to respond to that and to um, go after Hamas, but also that there must be proportionality uh, and compliance with human international humanitarian law and the way they go about doing that. And certainly that we can't have collective punishment of the people of Gaza um, and there needs to be proportionality. Um, we're not seeing that in relation to the instances, um, either in the last few days or again, um, you know, um, in terms of uh, reports today. Um, and uh, we are using every channel we can, both both uh, directly, but also working within the international community to work to make sure that there is a proportionate response and that Israel does act proportionately, but particularly um, that we immediately have uh, a humanitarian ceasefire uh, to facilitate okay. aid to those within Gaza, but also to facilitate hostages being released and uh, citizens uh, being able to actually leave um, Gaza as well. Breed Smith, um, Ireland has, has 
got some praise in the international community for speaking out for a ceasefire in, in, in fairly strong terms. Indeed, it's, it makes it an outlier. It'd be, I suppose, a rare occasion where you'd find yourself in agreement with gov- government, but this is one of those occasions, is it? Well, when he made those remarks yesterday about uh, revenge, I had to say this was a shift, a shift that he has been forced to make because of the strength of the voice of the Irish people, both on the protests and in terms of the lobbying that's been happening from ordinary citizens to all of us in Parliament to do something about the genocide in Gaza. And I think what Leo Varadkar was doing was reflecting that push from below. But it's meaningless if he doesn't act on it because Israel have already told the US, the UN, everybody, we're going ahead with this genocide regardless. And even before the 7th of October, Netanyahu made it clear that his long-term ambition was to ethnically cleanse Palestine and to annex Gaza and the West Bank entirely within Israel when he showed that map to the United Nations that eliminated the Palestinians from from the land. Uh, So I think we need action and we need meaningful action. We need to expel the ambassador. We need real sanctions. What would that achieve in, in terms of, it, it if, there are 40, if, there are, very, if there are 35 very... Irish citizens in Gaza, what would it, what would cutting the diplomatic channels with Israel achieve if people are to be got on that list? Well, the obvious answer to that uh, column is that we have the diplomatic relations and they're not releasing the Irish citizens. We've heard the minister say that there's no um, uh, development on that. Um, the, what it would achieve, I, t- I seriously mean this, that if Ireland has been praised internationally, then it would be looked up to, particularly across Europe, if we took real action and real sanctions against right. Israel. They don't give a damn. You've, they're going to do what they're going to do regardless. Sure, okay. So you've, there needs you've, to be you've action. You've repeatedly used the word genocide there. Just in, in a statement you released on October 9th, you said you called on the government to condemn the brutality of the Israeli response to Palestinian resistance. On, on October 9th, you released that statement. Even if you set aside the 300 Israeli soldiers that were killed uh, when 1,400 people were killed by the Hamas militants coming out of Gaza, the, the 1,100 people that were killed when people went door to door, killing families, uh, children in front of parents, parents in front of children. Does that meet the bar for genocide in your opinion? Well, first of all, we don't know the full truth of exactly what happened. Some of the hostages that were released said they were caught in crossfire between the Israelis and Please Hamas. Please, there has been... What I want to say to you... You are prepared to make the assumption that uh, violence perpetrated by the State of Israel is genocide and characterise it as genocide. Are you in possession of the full facts on all of the incidents that you're talking no, about when I'm you characterise Israeli what violence I am, as What genocide. I am in possession of, Colm, is the history of what has gone on. Gaza has been well, an let's, open let's prison with, let's, for let, 17 years. Let's deal years. with the specifics of but October 7th. If like you're going this, to use the, the word genocide, can you not bring yourself to call... The, the 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 murder of families, innocent children, older people, and the taking of hostages is 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 none of that genocide in your opinion. In my opinion, that these things do not drop out of the sky for no reason. That's not what I there asked you. I'm asking you about you're, us- you're using the word genocide to describe violence in this conflict, and I'm asking you why you are making uh, uh, making distinctions and leaving aside what happened on October seventh. 
when you use the word genocide. Because what's happened since October the 7th is genocide. There have been thousands and well, thousands a, of people, that, nearly 10,000 people. With respect, people. that's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you the violence that was perpetrated on October 7th. Can you bring yourself to call that genocide? What you're really asking me is to condemn the violence that happened on October. No, I'm not. I'm, October. I'm saying that you're using the, the, the word genocide The word genocide, genocide didn't apply. Violence. The word genocide does, d- applies to what's happening in Gaza uh, at uh, the exclusively. moment. Exclusively. No, not exclusively. And what happened on October the 7th was, was wrong. What? It should never have happened. Was it genocide? But, but you have to was see... Was it genocidal it, violence? You can call it genocidal violence. Well, do you but you call the scale it genocidal? Of it, no, I don't. The scale of it is not on the scale. You don't call the murder of family. It, the, the scale, the intention is what's behind genocide, not look, the scale of it. 1,100 people, is that not big enough for you to call it genocide? Look, I, what I'm saying to you, Colm, is, and I really wish, wish RTE wouldn't avoid this all the this time. This is not about it. It did not fall from the sky. We are not avoiding it. We've just... Covered, we have just covered, we have gone, uh, we have taken the response of the International Committee of the Red Cross about the latest strikes. We have co- done plenty of coverage on doctors speaking from hospitals within Gaza. I am asking you if you are going to define certain types of violence as genocide, does the killing of 1,100 people, innocent children, family members, does that not qualify as genocide strictly because they are who they were, the, 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 their ethnicity doesn't okay, qualify as genocide? Okay, let me try and answer it. First of all, we do not know the facts of October the 7th in full. Some all of right. the hostages who have got... Okay, a, I'm gonna, okay I, I, no, I, I, no, no, hang I, I, on. No, you I, can't I, do that to me. No, you I, can't ask me a question not let me answer. Let me answer. Some of the hostages have said that many of the people who were killed were caught in crossfire between Hamas and Israeli uh, defence forces. Now, just put Put that to one side. What I'm saying to you, and you have been, I heard you talk about having visited the camps in Jivali and you have seen Breed what Smith. has gone on in Gaza Breed for Smith. the last 17 years. These things do not okay, fall we're, from the we're, sky. We're, we're, we, we have to move on. Rose Conway Walsh. Um, well, thank you very much. You have to move on. You will not listen to the argument I'm I, making. I, I, I think we've given you sufficient time to articulate no, your you've opinion. No, you've had you're... most of that time in pu- pushing Rose back Conway against Walsh, me. You, you, you have to you, admit that what announced... happened on the 7th of October <clears throat> had its fruits in the imprisonment of the people of Gaza for the last 17 I, years, with respect, the butchery with that's respect, happening in the West Bank. We have to move on to our other panellists. Rose Conway Walsh, in terms of the response to what's going on in Gaza at the moment, you had initially not called for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador. You are calling for something short of that at the moment. What is it? No, and, and the reason why we didn't do that was our absolute focus was on a ceasefire and achieving a ceasefire. And I think it was very important that the Dáil became one of the first parliaments in the world uh, to call for a ceasefire. And that was really, really important. But things have moved on since then. We now have 9,000 people almost uh, slaughtered. And we have said that the position of the Israeli ambassador here is untenable. And I believe that it is. We have tried all uh, um, diplomatic and political options and we must continue to do that. But I think it's at this stage, yes. I mean, we, we've seen the, the bombing, we've seen the, the murders, we've seen we've seen the bombings of, of refugee so, camps. Of so should the Irish government continue to talk to the ambassador? Well, the, the Irish government should talk to anybody that they can to achieve what was already uh, outlined by, uh, by, by Charlie there in terms of, of getting a ceasefire. But we believe at this moment in time that uh, the ambassador's um, um, situation here is untenable. All right. Um, Charlie McConnell, Micheál Martin, Minister for Foreign Affairs, takes issue with Sinn Féin's response on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've seen from your long exchange from Breed there, you know, the, the, the double standards in terms of... The, I'm not in Sinn Féin. The, uh, He's asked you about Sinn Féin. 
Listen, I mean, Colm is the interviewer here, Breed, and, and he's asked me a question. And like you were asking for time to respond, I'm allowed to respond as well. And I'm pointing out like I'm he just did. Just clarifying for I'm the pointing, people that are listening, I'm, I'm pointing, not a Sinn Féin person. I didn't say you were. All right, uh, and, we've and, established that without yeah, interruption, Charlie McConnell. And, and I'm pointing out for, for, with many on the left, and indeed the far left, what we're seeing is a failure to recognise the abhorrence and, and the total legality. Um, and the um, the, the uh, right, horrific. But do you agree with your colleagues, attack, Barry Andrews and Billy Keller, that the ambassador should be brought in and spoken to I, I about believe, what's going I, on at the moment? I believe we need to, to um, engage diplomatically in every way possible um, in relation to actually continuing to get across what is a, a, a coherent and has been a coherent message from the Irish government from the very outset of this. First all right. of all, in relation to the the the, the uh, attack uh, on Israel, the killing of fourteen hundred people, and also um, Israel's right to defend itself, but also the need. For proportionality in relation to and they're that, not listening. There the, is the, no Fein, the Sinn Féin, the Sinn Féin um, approach of expe- expelling the uh, ambassador uh, column, as the Tanisha said, with, with respect, it, Rose Comey-Walsh just said they're not advocating for the expulsion of the ambassador. Well, they're asking. Yeah, we said her her position is absolutely untenable as it is now. You know, I what appreciate what you're saying. What, what, saying what, what does that mean, uh, Rose? Exactly. What are you calling? Well, she for? should no longer enjoy the diplomatic status that she does uh, here, and I think that has to be a strong message that goes out uh, to the world. So and I think Ireland can take the you, lead. You I think Breed is right. In, uh, I think Breach is right in terms of action okay. is required, uh, and I think that is one think, of the. I think we have to use all of the actions. I th- and I look I forward think, to working with Sinn Féin to ensure that you do expel yeah, the ambassador. I think what Sinn Féin are doing here, Colm, is more about responding to the far left and and the pressure from the far left on them than. It is okay. about a coherent response from oh, from, oh, from the government nationally. It's the focus of the government okay. for us. Right. It is very important for us as a state to have a, to play the role that we need to play uh, internationally in trying to get a ceasefire and trying to get the slaughter stopped as it is at the moment. And that is our main focus. We have a long history of working with Palestinians and with Palestine in order okay. to achieve right. any, any serious government. And we will continue. Any that. serious government, okay. uh, Colm, understands we're, the importance of maintaining channels of communication. Really, and Israel are really not listening to any to of do you. That. And we've been coherent and we've consistent heard from, from the outside. We're going to have to leave it this. there.